0: Hello, and welcome to this new edition of the Fuji podcast. Let's dive into the fascinating world of artificial intelligence and machine learning.
1: Welcome to the Fuji
2: podcast, all your news about OpenJDK.
0: Artificial intelligence and ChatGPT are the talk of the town. Every conference has several talks about these technologies. And on Fuji, you can find multiple posts about it. In this podcast, we want to take a look at it from the Java point of view. How can we use AI in Java programs or our job as a developer? Hi, I'm
2: Zoran and I'm a CEO of Deep Nets, and also it's an AI startup. And also I'm working at the University of Belgrade teaching AI and software engineering. I'm also a Java champion and I've been involved in the Java community for a while. Uh, and together with uh, Frank Greco, my fellow Java champion, I've been working on uh, Java standard for machine learning, that JSR three hundred and eighty one for visual recognition, and I've been involved in various ways in uh, strengthening the support for AI in Java community.
1: Hi, Frank Greco, and uh, as Zoran mentioned, uh, we are co-authors of JSR three hundred and eighty one, which we spent uh, quite a long time in getting that approved. Uh, And it wasn't technical issues. It was a lot of the legal issues, (laughs) the painful legal issues. Um, I run the New York Java SIG, um, the chairman, along with uh, six other leaders on our our leadership committee. Um, I've been doing it for quite a long time. We are the very first jug ever in existence, going back to the early days of Java. So we've uh, we've seen it all.
3: Hi, I'm Ronnie. I've been a developer for over 25 years. Uh, which I guess makes me an old schooler and enough of a boomer to be talking about AI was kind of, uh, I can't compete for Frank, but uh, but still. <laughs> and um, I'm the CTO of DIGMA AI, which is a Java continuous feedback fl- uh, platform.
0: Okay, thanks for joining this podcast. I'm Frank Del Porte, the second Frank in this podcast, this case. I'm a technical writer at Azul, Java developer since... Uh, over 10 years not 25 <laughs> not that much experience <laughs> as, as you Ronnie. yeah and I'm interested in everything which is related to AI and what we uh, can learn from it I think that it's a good thing to start this podcast with really understand what we are talking about uh, you have artificial intelligence you have machine learning you have deep learning computer vision there are a lot of terms related to this topic can one of you explain if and how they are related or different
3: so i guess i can take a a, a stab at it uh, not that uh, i'm an expert by any means i guess as uh, zoran uh, would be the one to give the professional answer but i'll give the layman's answer as a practitioner not as a professional mm-hmm. and while there are a lot of uh, new or AI and machine learning is much more accessible now for developers to use, to write code that leverages machine learning. I think what we're talking about today is more uh, AI as a dev tool, or using AI to become more productive as a developer, and it doesn't matter which type of application uh, you're developing. And in here, I think everybody was, at least around me, uh, it was the talk of the day a few months back when suddenly the impossible happened and we saw kind of a field that we thought would be completely protected from automation and any type of uh, content generation AI became very relevant for. Um, and, and I guess what we're talking about is the ability to using simple chat GPT type uh, prompts and there by now, I think, for at least four big uh, uh, vendors that offer these kind of uh, uh, capabilities, be able to generate code and suddenly it becomes an, an interesting issue for a developer about, okay, what is this new tool in my tool belt and does it compete with me? Does it make me more productive? Will it replace me? Uh, should I be using it? And it, it raises a lot of questions because like any tools, it's kind of like, how do I use it correctly?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Zoran, you as a professor, can you add things that we should absolutely know about what is AI machine learning? Uh, well, yes,
2: uh, to explain simply, uh, AI is, is uh, a range of technology, any technology that can do things that were, have been done by humans so far but uh, so it's not only machine learning but the machine learning is now one of a dominant ai techniques it's mm-hmm. a one way to 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 make ai and why it is so special because it is uh, uh, able to learn from data so you don't program like a rule based system you don't hard code all the rules and all decisions and calculations but it is capable of just looking at some process and uh, learning patterns mm-hmm. uh, from that and that's why it is very fascinating because it allows computers to learn basically mm-hmm. uh, and now deep learning is a, a kind of machine learning which uh, was able to process large amounts of data and uh, we also think uh, process this to learn from large amounts of data and it was become possible to uh, achieve higher accuracy than let's say, previous machine learning techniques. Mm -hmm. So that's when things started happening. And uh, when all the researchers and all the companies started using, uh, because of the rise of accuracy, it was suddenly possible to use it to solve practical problems. And uh, with the progress in technology and the research, there are different kinds of kinds of uh, deep learning models that been used for language processing, for image processing, for audio processing, and all, all the other domains.
0: So you were saying the language models, so LLMs, I think they're called. That's what's behind ChatGPT, for instance. When you're talking to ChatGPT, I should not say that probably, but you really feel, or you get a feeling that the system understands you, while actually. It's just some kind of prediction model. It's just looking for what is the most valuable word that should follow this word. That's how ChatGPT works?
2: Yes, basically that's it. Yes. But the thing with uh, ChatGPT is in addition to this classic, uh, the the, the first generation of the deep learning, let's say, it is using something called reinforcement learning with human feedback. That means that uh, during the training, uh, the model uh, is being retrained uh, uh, based on, a fi- on a feedback from human teachers. You know, you, you build the model, then you give it to some uh, uh, humans to talk to it, and then they provide a feedback how useful uh, e- the content uh, the response was and how to improve that content. Mm-hmm. And that's how these models are becoming uh, very uh, more and more b- m- human-like. Yep. Because that's a human, uh, relying with human feedback.
0: Mm-hmm. We are here in the Fuji podcast, so the friends of OpenJDK. Now, most of the systems seem to rely on C, on Python. Zoran, with, with your uh, deep nets tool, mm-hmm. that's really a Java tool for AI, correct?
2: Yes, yes, yes. Yes, so our, our motivation because uh, I come from a Java background, I really, really like the technology and the community. The idea was, uh, hey, we want to do this in Java because before Nets, I was building uh, Neurof. It is an educational tool for neural networks and it, it became quite popular for simple uh, neural networks. And uh, it, the nice thing was it, it, it allowed uh, students who did not have a strong background in AI and mathematics to quickly start to learn and use neural networks. So based on those principles, uh, uh, when deep learning became thing, I, I've decided to try to build the industry-grade uh, uh, tool for deep learning. Uh, of course, there are uh, some others uh, there o- o- available. There is a TensorFlow for Java and uh, Deep Learning for J and now DJL from Amazon. But uh, uh, all those tools, at least to me, they lack this kind of uh, uh, Java uh, look and feel. You know, mm-hmm. It more looks more like... Uh, see uh, API that is written in Java. And also, there is also dependency on various libraries in JNI. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's making it unstable, making it sometimes difficult to use. So I want, um, my vision was to create a, something that is Java developer friendly, easy to use, easy to learn just from looking at the API uh, without uh, uh Requirement for deep technical need for understanding the library internals of the underlying technology just to use it uh, and integrate it into end user Java applications. Mm -hmm. And also, uh, kind of tools, you know, I think the tooling is something that the entire uh, AI ecosystem uh, was missing. Uh, They are building, there are many tools being developed lately, but uh, there is still ongoing challenges because it is ongoing research and uh, many tools are very still, very, let's say a low level, very specialized, very difficult to use for average user. And I think there are a number of companies and startups figuring out the way to help users and help developers to create solutions. So not do AI research and not just doing some technical uh, solutions for AI, but for applied uh, AI, building applied Mm. AI solutions.
0: Yeah, building solutions on top of existing AI uh, frameworks. Yeah, Uh, Frank, as you said, you've uh, a long experience in Java and long experience also with uh, the New York Java SIG. That's the official name. So it's a special interest group. I read that it's the North America's largest Java user group.
1: That's correct, yeah. We're the first one and the largest in North America, of course, our colleagues down in Brazil... Um, are way bigger than, than ours, and I get reminded of that when I see that. <laughs> I think it, uh,
0: I think indeed they mentioned it in the jerk podcast. Uh, that was talking to the Brazil uh, guys. <laughs> <laughs> they indeed were a bit competing with you. Yeah. <laughs> so you've seen a lot of evolutions, I guess. Uh, do you also see in the events that you organize now and the attendees how much interest there is in AI? And oh, what you there's can do there's a from.
1: huge amount of interest in AI and ML. Um, you know, it's of course as as technologists we, we get concerned about the difference between AI and ML, right? And so that the AI is a big thing and ML is mm-hmm. a subset of that, and deep learning is a subset of that. But that's to us, the technologists, right? Now the people that read the lay magazines and, and watch you know things on streaming and TV, um, they say, AI and ML are the same thing. And we know they're not, but we have to talk to these mm-hmm. people, like our, our management <laughs> sometimes, and, and uh, they don't know the difference. So, um, you know, it's like, as Zorn pointed out, like AI is um, matching human intelligence. Whether that's good or not is debatable, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but that's what it, it, it attempts to do. Um, the interest, based upon the recent um ChatGPT you know after I guess after the um the 2017 paper on transformer architecture when ml the ml world basically got reinvigorated mm-hmm. um especially with with llms the interest has just shot through the roof and you know Zora and I were we were we were way ahead of the curve we were talking to our fellow um java champions at java champion summits saying that you know, why aren't you out, we're talking this, so why aren't you learning machine learning? Like mm-hmm. we would get, nobody was, was interested. Nobody was, remember, we would, we would ask and like there was no interest and mm-hmm. now everyone's interested. And it's just because of the buzz with LLMs and the potential. And as Frank, as you point out, it's, it's a pattern, all it is, the pattern matching thing. It's like the average lay, lay person thinks it's a information tool and it's mm-hmm. not. It's not an information tool. It's not mm-hmm. a search tool it's a pattern matching thing tool and we have to use it like that and it and it shows you know it shows glimpses of intelligence but it's just pattern matching because we all all everybody on the planet we are pattern machines so it's just showing us patterns and why we're so surprised by this it's it's mind boggling to me because we're all pattern machines um and also just um with with um, my my talks at and also Zorn's talks we're getting like you know hundreds of people um, in in some of the the conferences that we speak to, and it, everybody wants to program this in Java, right? Of course, I'm, Python mm-hmm. is a fantastic language, but you know when we first started out years ago, it was the only language, and we, we said we can't let that happen. And I think we learned a lesson from the web. When the web came out, it was like this is great, like old, but you can only program in JavaScript. You know, it's like, it's like what Henry Ford said about cars. You can have you know, any color you want as long as it's black, right? So so um, I didn't want that to happen. I do things aren't wanted that to happen again too. You cannot express the world's creativity through one portal, through mm-hmm. one way. You just can't. It's just that's not how humans are. So we didn't want that to happen so that we're trying our best to help the Java community, which are millions of developers, you know, uses this tool that that's, that's a, a huge gift to humanity
0: we're recording this podcast on the day that java 21 is released and what you say is competition is what drives the language the evolutions that we now see in java or inspired by other languages and vice versa and that's that's really the great thing about these evolutions also what you said is very true it seems to be very new as chat gpt is has been uh, become famous this year but um, Zoran, you have been writing articles on Fuji already for a few years where you were illustrating what you can do with deep nets, with Java in, in artificial intelligence. Can, can, can you give an example?
2: Yes, of course. So basically, a very simple example is to recognize images, to classify images. So if you feed an image to... To a uh, deep learning model, it can say what w- what's in the image to classify mm. image to put in a, in a specific uh, category. Uh, um, then also that's something that's very easy to understand. Uh, next, uh, you can uh, uh, predict patterns and, and classify data items. For example, if you if your input data is not the image but uh, uh, like CSV file and you have examples So for monitoring uh, let's say server performance and you want to to detect anomalies or if, if you want to say whether it is uh, high or low no, load but not based just on the uh, uh, simple uh, trigger threshold taking multiple arguments you can say um, it, put it in a specific category and also you can uh, for example try to Predict, which is like a numeric prediction, to predict the value of something. Let's say predict number of clicks or number of users or or the specific value of the of the server load, or any anything else. That's called so-called regression problems in machine learning, which is uh, in human language, let's say a numeric prediction. So you can predict to guess a value uh, of something. So you don't have. Um, a specific formula because it is usually some complex problem which is not easy to like, calculate, but from historical data, assuming that the history will repeat, you can uh, build a model that will uh, give a best guess for 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 some uh, set of observations. Mm-hmm. So basically, these are typical machine learning tasks that you can do with deep nets, and it is a uh, uh, task that is uh, covered by this. Uh, a standard Java API. Uh, so basically, you have a classifier, you have a, um, a regression model, and you have image recognition model. So these are the basic tasks that we uh, started from. And uh, to, to, to get to, to this uh, Java uh, point of view, what we wanted to do with the JSR is to create a kind of collections API for machine learning. Because uh, even if, the, if there are lots of... Uh, different ML libraries in Java. All of them are using their own terminology, their own data set. They Mm -hmm. require a strong background in statistics, in uh, understanding machine learning. So we tried with DJSR to hide that uh, all under the hood. So we want to provide a simple, meaningful task oriented API that can be uh, uh, easily customized and evolved over time. So I, I think that we have succeeded. In that, uh, given by the reactions, by the way, also our friend and uh, author, um, Ken Fogel from uh, Canada, also Mm -hmm. Java champion, he gave some uh, talks uh, about JSR and gave some uh, uh, courses and uh, people were very surprised. And some of the reactions were, hey, this is way easier than doing ML in Python, you know, Mm -hmm. so thanks to that jsr it is even easier for, for an average java developer who is typically application developer not uh, numerical computation or, or statistics or math developer but have like application developer can use uh, ml and not just use just to take other people's models and put it but to build their customize and build their own models and put into their applications
0: and this is all in this uh, gsr 381
2: yes this is jsr G- 381 is like a, a touch point between uh, the end user application and this uh, deep nets implementation we have community edition of deep nets which is like a reference implementation for this jsr uh, and also uh, there are uh, in, in a full commercial version there there are uh, tools and and much better features but uh, they are all like uh, free for personal and for development pers- mm-hmm.
0: purposes. So a GSR is a Java specification request. Does yeah. this mean that this one day Java 22, 23 will be there included? Or what is the future of this GSR
2: uh, no, actually, JSR is not uh, about becoming part of Java. It's mm-hmm. like a supporting Java for different uh, types of applications. It is very difficult to get into the JDK and to maintain it. And uh, that's like more like a JEP thing. But uh, uh, when we talk to the people from JCP... And before started starting it, they told us that this is probably the the best way to to go for. Mm-hmm. So the future of uh, JSR is to get more adoption and to get more uh, Java libraries supporting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Python ecosystem is very strong because they are all very uh, very close to each other. They are u- reusing each other. You have NumPy, you have Scikit-Learn. And of course, you have TensorFlow and uh, uh, PyTorch, but all of them are using very, very similar uh, libraries and and, uh, the entire for data processing, Pandas uh, for graphics, uh, Matplotlib and so on, and Seaborn for visualization and statistical processing. They are all very well integrated. So the idea with JSR is that JSR is that glue that will pick different uh put together different uh implementations of machine learning libraries mm-hmm. and, and i must say that uh, we had uh, successes so far with it we have a uh, dgl implementing parts of uh, jsr and uh uh also i don't know if there are any else frank at the moment but uh hopefully there, there will be
1: Yeah, no, we were we were um very pleasantly surprised when amazon implemented our api somebody over there had. had to... Uh, written an article and we were pleasantly surprised, like, wow, this is pretty cool. Amazon thought it was uh, quite important. They actually implemented the API.
0: Uh, Ronnie at DIGMA, you're using AI to help developers analyze their code while developing. Can Mm. you explain what you're actually doing?
3: It's interesting to see how kind of the the worlds are uh, mixing up, even in in my vocabulary, because yes, we are using AI um, to analyze observability. Um, and to make it relevant. Because one, one of the things that we found was that observability as a whole uh, can be kind of like spam. Uh, it's a lot of raw data, very hard to sift through. And if it requires cognitive effort, well, it's probably not going to happen often that you kind of sit yourself down in front of a stack of traces and try to find find what, what was different this time with your code run. So many of these um, kind of types of applications uh, that uh, Zoran was referring to, if it is anomaly detection to understand if something is different, Um, if it is prediction, uh, if it is being able to cluster the data and understand kind of, okay, how can we identify different things that behave the same way, or that um, are groups that are useful to refer to as kind of a flow within my system. Um, Again, sifting through a lot of data. Um, So those are really important applications. And as we were going through the journey of developing Degma, there was also always kind of being conscious of how do we use the right tool for each task? It is very tempting to throw everything at AI, especially in the age of AI hype and I'm a big believer, and as, as, as I'll kind of talk more through in a sec, you'll find me kind of in the camp that is pushing towards as much use of it as possible. But still, sometimes when you're holding a hammer, each problem is a nail, and mm-hmm. uh, and and it is easy to kind of, I have personally seen my own developers in the heat of the moment and in the enthusiasm, try to solve mathematical problems or problems that would much be uh, more simply uh, solved with statistics uh, with ai just because you know they could so a lot of the times as in any programming task it's about how to choose the the right approach and manage complexity and all of that but certainly what we're capable of doing today and much more easily is, is a big changer um, in, in how we approach uh, these problems. Because if before I had to perhaps spend a lot of time just finding developers who could do it or just trying to uh, put together the right uh, libraries, today it is more a question of uh, selecting what I want to do than how I want to do it. It's, it's, it's kind of become uh, much more accessible for organizations. Uh, The other aspect uh, where we're seeing uh, AI uh, applications is in supporting developers that use Gen AIs uh, in their day-to-day because Gen AI code is a new type of beast. Uh, We didn't have that before. Sure, we had copy-pasting from Stack Overflow or whatnot, and a lot of people make the analogy, but I don't think it's very good analogy because, yes, nobody actually would copy-paste from Stack Overflow and it would work as is. Like, seldom um, you would not actually modify the code or kind of customize it. And here is the situation where a lot of code uh, that gets into repositories, that gets into production, was written by this invisible team member that nobody's ever met and that you can't complain to. I have personally seen in our code base somebody add the prompt as a comment above the the function that ChatGPT generated, and I I saw this and I was happy days. This. this is awesome. I I want to see more of these kind of things, but you know, as as you know, it, it's a bit quirky. But I think it's just an indication of the fact that we're going to see much more of that. I think I I recently saw a study i think github is pushing this uh, a lot where they they found that developers using ai are kind of 55 percent faster in delivering uh, code or whatnot and i think that's where we're going to see much more people use it much more organizations use ai and where we fit in in this context or what we're trying to do is to say okay we have this code nobody knows who wrote it it's uh we know less about it because it's kind of this piece of code that somebody wrote, how do we evaluate it? Mm-hmm. Like, how do we get more data about it to make it safer to use, to, make, to add some guardrails so that I feel less trepidation when I push and pray this code into production after I've generated mm-hmm. it. it. It's kind of like uh, um, encountering AI in various different uh, ways. And I think the last interesting thing that we're going to see, and I think Zoran mentioned it as well, is the whole area of MLOps. And that's where I think there is a lot of innovation still to be done. And I think it's going to, we're going to see a lot of tools that are missing today or that are just being uh, built around uh, how do we um, evaluate the efficiency? How do we evaluate the cost Uh, and optimize it Uh, you know working with with different uh, platforms and frameworks uh, working with data working with models uh, there's a lot of room for optimizations and toolings that uh, I think uh, it will be a very different technology landscape uh, in a few years
0: Mm -hmm. you mentioned that, that developers can be the development time to, to do, achieve a certain task can be reduced by 55%. On the other hand, I saw a few memes that the debugging time <laughs> can be multiplied by four because, <laughs> yeah, it's code that just appeared, so you're not really sure what's happening. So finding a problem inside, is that really a problem, you think? Because you wrote, Ronnie, uh, an, a post also on Fuji, Where he asked ChatGPT to create this, or was it a Spring Boot application for you? Were you happy with the result? Was it a good teammate, ChatGPT?
3: Yes and no. And I've been working on part two. Uh, (laughs) I'm I'm just chasing too many rabbit holes. It's just so interesting. I think uh, right now, where the technology stands in terms of kind of saving a lot of time and generating boilerplate and finding the right interfacing and seeing a live example that, no, is kind of an extrapolation of other examples but is very specific to your use case uh, it can save a lot of time and especially by the way for rusty old developers like me who may go into kind of I, i've never used uh, in this in my example i was trying to use the ChatGPT library itself um, i've never used it so kind of seeing a, an application scaffolding that is very easy to dynamically generate and having the Uh, to write less code and more kind of review and integrate it, definitely made it faster. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, ChatGPT, as everybody knows, has been known to very confidently lie (laughs) and very confidently spew out uh, lines of code that are either nonsense, not compiling, or just, you know, not, not... on par with the standard that you want uh, for code that you introduced uh, into your code base. And the problem is it's, it's sometimes harder to know which is which. So throughout this experiment and other experiments, I've definitely run into situations where ChatGPT was giving me an implementation and it was completely false. And I may not have noticed it because either it was and, you know, if you confront ChatGPT about it and say, hey, this isn't what I asked for, and look, and, and it will acknowledge its mistakes. Some uh, generative uh, AI, uh, some LLMs are more um, stubborn than others. I've been using BARD as well. And BARD will argue, uh, like, for, for long hours, it would argue, and eventually, after admitting the fate, it would say, yes, you're right. The point is that the I kind of treat it like consulting or, or or delegating a task to a junior developer who's also full of himself. And <laughs> he would say, Yeah, yeah, this is the answer. Don't worry about it. So I could either not worry about it and just accept the code into the code base. I probably not would. a good idea. Yeah. Or I'll need to think about okay, how do I make sure the code that is being generated is has enough um, is clear enough or contains enough observability or whatnot, or or is uh, uh, something that I can uh, trust. And I think that's kind of the, the next gap. The other interesting question is what type or how abstract is the task that you give to ChatGPT? In my example, I was giving it very concrete task, build an interface for that, build an API for that. It, it's another world entirely to say, build an application <laughs> that delivers this and this is kind of an, another kind of step in the level of the abstraction uh, where it would be interesting to get to the state where I would say, you know, not build me a Spring Boot application with uh, this API that does that, but give me a Spring Boot application that would allow me to. Mm-hmm. And then uh, having that be uh, something that's uh, efficient as well. Mm-hmm.
0: I heard already that we are as developers are safe because for JetGPT to work correctly it needs clear specifications from a project manager so we're definitely safe, something that never happens so we still need some development involved Uh, you said a few times trust which is one thing a lot of companies don't allow their developers to use JetGPT or other uh, kind of systems. so this is a very open question is it indeed a risk that your question is used again as a training if you're working with some kind of of support tool in your IDE and it's sending back your code to the system that that becomes the training set again is that indeed a problem
1: that is a significant problem that is probably the number one reason why companies won't allow their developers to use it it's a legal it's a legal and it's a security issue by the way the the uh, the paper that said that developers are more productive uh, with LLMs was written by a Microsoft researcher so you know, you have to find out where mm-hmm. who's the author and where the is the author from. So you just to be careful careful of that. Um, yeah, it's definitely um privacy. I mean, we know the, the story of the Samsung engineers that we're talking about an unreleased product with ChatGPT and all the information is now being used in, in the model itself. Mm-hmm. So um that's not, not smart to do. Now Microsoft and, and Azure offers private instances of of Chat, of their version of chatgbt and and i'm sure the, um, the other companies like cohere has enterprise versions that uh, are private um this is mimicking the cloud evolution too right so there's there's private llm so um there's also the the legal aspect of using code that's generated by an llm because it was trained on things like github mm-hmm. and uh, i've been reminded by several lawyers that it could be potentially in a few years from now that these companies get sued and you're, you will be sued. So do not upload in you know, generated code to a repo that, that, that an LLM generated. So uh, cause there's, there's legal issues. I mean, as a, as a small developer, yeah, you could do that if you want to take on a risk, but if you're an enterprise, uh, your entire enterprise is at risk.
0: But how will they prove that it was generated? Is there a clue to, find back that it was generated by an llm
1: that's a good question how they do Mm. that maybe there'll be an llm that's used as a tool against another llm
0: (laughs) that will find back the source yes you said you can uh, now start running it in private cloud environments are these tools becoming so small and portable that you can just run it on your pc so that you're
1: really isolated I, I think the, the evolution is is going that way. I mean, all the big companies that have had LLMs um, are afraid of the open source community, <laughs> and I think they've been public about it too. Um, uh, these things are getting um, smaller, faster. I mean, deep nets code run can run on a an Android device, mm-hmm. and so it's getting smaller and smaller. And, and uh, we're just the whole we're just on this uh, this curve of the usual curve: smaller, better, faster, cheaper. Right? That that's a, that's a curve we've been on in all our careers, and it's gonna, that's going to happen also with uh, with uh, ML.
2: Yeah, but, but uh, also uh, there is a big difference in uh, running and building the models, training the models, training the models. It needs uh, uh, clusters with uh, tens, dozens of GPUs, and that's a whole lot of different thing. Uh, once you build the model, there are models that you can even open-source model that you can run on, on your laptop. It's not super fast, but it it, it works. And uh, I, I think uh, what uh, PyTorch and uh, Facebook and Elon LeCun are doing is very important. They are truly open-sourcing their models. There's a, a Llama Llama 2. Uh, version available and it, it, it's uh, like a balancing be- between what open AI is doing basically Microsoft and providing just uh, API to use it and also barred from Google but not uh, fully opened I-, I think these models are really fully open and you can do it to build the models uh, for yourself but only if you have a cluster for GPUs so enormous and have like a hundred data scientists and additional stuff that you know, work for, for that for a few months and you can spend a few million dollars for building those kind of systems. so in theory you can run it or you can use it but it is very difficult to to build it mm-hmm. so the way to go is to, to to customize existing models and I think this open license uh that uh, or llama model is available now is like a big step. Mm-hmm. to opening truly opening this technology to the community
0: is that for instance a model that's in deep nets
2: well uh deep nets at the moment does not uh, support that kind of huge models we are looking for a right angle to 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 to, to go for it uh once we f- figure out where the things are going uh, at the moment uh, deep nets uh, the big uh, milestone that is going to be achieved recently is to provide a really good uh, uh, support for GPU for, from deep nets and, and that, that will make things significantly uh, faster and interesting. But uh, um, I, I don't think for deep nets is to go to re-implement like a PyTorch from the scratch or something like that, but more like using uh, from the Java in a uh, Java-friendly manner. So we are still looking for the, 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 the right, the best way... do it which also depends on the application and i would just like to to add what ronnie and you frank said about this using LLMs for the programming i think that we are now in the phase when we are figuring out how to use those tools so not just the tools will not replace programmers but it will uh, make programmers more productive, so not to completely put the programmer out of the picture because LLMs do not understand what they are doing and they don't understand the logic. They just generate text. They are very good at generating text, but they have no idea what uh, uh, the, the, the code is doing. They learn along the way, they are improving. But if you need like a human level of creativity, it's still, it's still not uh, the, the case. Maybe what I've been listening is using ChatGPT as a pair programmer, you know, who will help and uh, like a delegate some, some part of the task. But a very simple example, when we gave the ChatGPT prompt to uh, uh, write uh, uh, image classification in Java, it uh, has outputted the uh, code in Python, you know, <laughs> yeah. because... All the examples for image classifications were oh, in Python, Python, you know, so yeah. it uses the Python TensorFlow call So it has no idea what it is doing, but it looks like kind of it knows what it is. It is very convincing liar, as uh, you pointed mm. out.
3: I also, could not agree with that more, uh, by the way. And I think it's kind of a very transformative phase where we're making adjustment both from the technology side and what frank was mentioning the the organizational or kind of uh uh enterprise even side where uh, we need to learn how to use it now it it's it's there and uh companies that will not find a way to leverage it will eventually fall, fall behind because it does affect and help productivity uh, the question is how do we do that and we've I, i've seen kind of the same debate around cloud right when when cloud was there yeah banks will never use cloud I was in in situation, I was talking to fintech uh, enterprises and they were like, no, cloud, us, uh, never. And today they're all there, right? Uh, so I think it will just be finding the right compliances, right toolings, right guardrails, and assurances to make it possible. It's not as easy as just uh, starting to use it. And in the same vein, kind of, the uh, from the technology perspective, if this is to be a dev tool, then it needs a lot more uh, data a lot more context and automation to make it really into that uh, sidekick uh, the dream sidekick that uh, we all want uh, uh, to have so you know just working on my example which was uh, very simple i i was missing a lot of feature for example defining code conventions, mm-hmm. defining uh, uh, different libraries that I want to use, defining different things that it could would be able to study from my entire code base, and then replicate or create for me code that is kind of in line with the other code that I'm writing, using the same conventions. If I'm writing all of my app in reactive mode or uh, asynchronously, please match that in the generated code. Don't let me uh, spend so much time phrasing prompts uh, or be able to automate that part, having the entire project as a context, uh, a lot of different things that would eventually uh, take it three steps uh, forward. But I think that one thing that we need to take with a grain of salt. And I, I, I don't know if, uh, Zoran, you agree with me, but I've, I've heard a lot uh, from different data scientists who were kind of skeptical in saying what would it's true that we've come from like zero to uh, 80 um, very quickly, but the last remaining 20% to make this a perfect tools are also the hardest ones to accomplish. So yes. it's not a simple case of linear growth. Where we said, oh, right, we did this in a year. Let's imagine where we'll be in another year. Progress might be slower because the progr- uh, problems that we have remaining are also really the toughest ones that were very difficult to solve.
2: Yes, I agree absolutely, but that's the case with uh, every technology. You know, uh, it's always the the last twenty percent, or maybe even less, seven or five percent. I mean, we got transformer models like uh, first paper in two thousand and seventeen, and like the uh, first model from OpenAI, right? 2021, 20, and five years later we have something that everybody is using and talking about, and it's completely going to change. So, I think in the next five years, it will definitely some of those problems will be solved. There is a open question: Is it possible to solve? Because you know the so called hallucinations, there are bugs. It, it doesn't mm-hmm. work as expected, and we it is difficult to figure out why. So more. Technology state for and the research about explainability. And how, as you ask, how do you know if anybody has used some, some data for training? And uh, how much data uh, do you need to make impact to it? If you turn into a huge amount of data, usually you need a huge amount of data to change something, to, to, to find patterns that dominate. So, no, there are lots of open questions, but I I think they will definitely be solved.
1: We've seen it now with hallucinations. I mean, I think the early LLMs hallucinated quite a bit, but there's been a lot of work in prompt engineering. I mean, that's arguable whether it's engineering or not, but it's prompt engineering. I mean, I've seen prompts that are like 10 pages long and it, it reduces the hallucinations but um, that's a that's a lot of text to be sending with every, with every query to to the llm but there is a lot of research being going on in in prompt engineering and fine tuning of models and I, and we're we're still at the start of all this i mean this is this is a fascinating area um, you know, it's one of those in your career, you get a chance to ride waves in your career. This is one of those big waves, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we, you kind of looked at web three and crypto. No, 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 no. no not really. So I, I want to ride this one. This is the big wave I want to surf in, right? So so um, it's, it's it's quite exciting. Um, we are at the start. You know, my concern about all this, I mean, yes, we're talking about it from the technical aspect, but there's the other aspects. I mean, there's a legal aspects there's a society, societal aspects of this. You know this will put many people out of work i mean this is undoubtedly will put a lot of people out of work because it will make companies more efficient will we have a lot of big companies in the future or many smaller companies because the tool will be available to a lot Mm -hmm. of people that changes things that changes employment that changes people's lives that changes countries directions this is a this is a pretty wild time to be alive in this field because it's not just like about were semicolons in, langu- in the language? This is this affects like geopolitics. So it's mm-hmm. it's a pretty exciting exciting uh, invention, mm-hmm. and it's not not it's not really something. I mean, certain Zorn's been working on it for quite a long time. I mean, know uh, my graduate project was um, Zoran and I are musicians, so my graduate project many many years ago in a distant galaxy, far away in a distant galaxy, um, was looking at melodies and generating. Original melodies, but in a certain style. So I didn't use uh, embedding a vector database mm-hmm. to, to do this. I, I just basically had a, a tree of, of of probabilities. But that was generative AI. So that was many yes. years ago. So it's it's it, it's not exactly something brand new. It's been around for a long time. As a matter of fact, it probably goes back into like the 40s and 50s. So some of this um, this technology. But my worry is how do we help the people that are not technologists, You know that, that are not like us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's my worry.
0: And also what we hear is developers will not be replaced by AI, but will be replaced by developers who can use AI. Exactly, exactly. That developers will disappear. That has been predicted already a dozen times in the last years. With each new technology and each new uh, no code, and what what do we have seen in the past? But it's really starting to use the tools that become available and learn how to use them and then make them the best profit for yourself. Exactly,
1: it's, it's exactly right. And and the worry about this AGI and super intelligence and maybe something you know beyond AGI. Um, if you notice that the people that are saying this are all computer scientists, I think it's very egocentric for our own mm-hmm. industry for us to be the only projectors of the future <laughs> i mean <laughs> we're talking about languages here we're llms why don't we get linguistics and and psychologists and other people in other areas who are also experts in their domains talk about the future and not us who invented these things mm-hmm. want to talk about it. i think it's a little egocentric of us to do that
0: yeah that's really a topic for the next podcast is Get some people involved who are not indeed software engineer and and how they experience the whole chat gpt and other uh, evolutions what can we look forward to as java developers will we see new libraries appear new technologies in the gvm what do you see in the next years that will uh, help us to use ai
2: no, sorry, i want sorry i mentioned panama uh, yes, of course. The Panama is being announced like a big uh, game changer that will uh, solve AI for Java, and it is it, it is the case, of course, but uh, to some extent, you know, Panama is just the first step, uh, making it possible and not uh, painful to uh, build um, application AI application top of JVM. But uh, I think uh, it will take some time to that uh, for that to happen. Uh, So to build an entire ecosystem of libraries and tools that will be um, using Panama. And again, uh, even if something like that uh, uh, appears, I think uh, the the things like uh, JSR that we initiated for machine learning is Mm -hmm. essential for uh, bringing them together. Because if that ecosystem stays uh, fragmented in the same way that it is now, uh there is no way to to to, to evolve and, and make uh f- further progress uh because uh Python ecosystem is really ahead of uh, everything that is available in Java. and as you can see, all the latest Innovations is being built uh, with Python, right uh, so, so GPT just mm-hmm. GPT is built uh, on Pytorch, right uh so uh, I think that, uh, and not only uh, the technology they're using, all the research is being carried on those tools. Mm-hmm. So it's not just the libraries, but it's all the tools around those libraries, existing tools, and uh, all the developers and the researchers and the new innovations that are being built, they, they come from that ecosystem. So mm-hmm. it will be uh, uh, difficult to compete. So maybe not just not uh, the way to go, compete but to find the best way to play along with you know and uh, maybe to some uh, users it is enough to be able to use those models from java just to call maybe from Mm. from rest service or have like a simple java class wrapper that will uh, talk to some some other library but i think uh, for java in order to say uh, competitive and innovative and what it has been for like a previous two decades it needs to find a way to to run and build and innovate uh, ai uh, on uh, jvm
0: we already mentioned that we should next time involve some other people from other industries there is the whole discussion for instance about art generating art which is also trained on existing images and and painters and, and all that stuff that artists have made is there something more that you think about this topic
3: yeah i i think first of all it's there's definitely a lot to be learned from uh, other industries here because they're dealing with these same questions so in the same way that i often uh, advise developers to look at how Other, let's say, uh, programming languages deal with certain problems and what type of abstractions they produce. uh, It's very uh, worthwhile to see how other kind of professions are dealing with this new found capability and how they are handling it. I've seen uh, designers that are completely freaked out by the fact that mid-journey can create these amazing results, but then at the same time, mid-journey is not enough. And as much as prompt engineering is amazing, uh, there is still a way to go. And there is still a lot of thought and crafting and iterating. And, you know, you, you mentioned that about software projects and software projects have so much communication in them and so much kind of figuring things out that, like, I hope I'm not making kind of a We'll never need more than 160 characters, or 6 640 kilobytes is enough. Type of prediction, but I don't think like the the uh, developer, the software developer profession is going away. At least in the next five years, I think we're safe. I think it it's more a matter of uh, how do we use it in the right way. And indeed. Um, graphical designers that are today not using chat uh, gpt or midjourney or something to get i don't know uh, a draft faster or to get some sort of concepts uh, to iterate on um are just falling behind and i think in in the same way and this will take some time and you know the industry is conservative at least the big companies and it will take some time to to get to that stage but we all need to see how uh, and where it does help us and where it, it, it does. It's kind of like a natural uh, evolution to start uh, using it and see how it can improve our work. For example, for me, it's been a while since, and maybe it's, it's, devolving my brain but it's been a while since i've worked on a regex because ChatGPT gpt has become my regex friend i just describe mm-hmm. the regex that i want and immediately it's there it's something small it's not as grand as creating a spring boot application to work with an api but it's a big productivity boost that's why why i think kind of uh it's it's definitely worthwhile to to see how how we can learn from other industries how we can use it understand that the profession is evolving, and I think it's a super exciting time to be kind of a part of. Mm. Uh, I'm also reminded of examples from our own past in software development. I remember people said, yeah, testing is going to be obsolete with test automation. It wasn't. It became something else. We started having automation engineers and and testers uh, learned to balance manual testing with other techniques. And I think we're at that kind of a stage now.
1: You know, it's ironic, Ronnie, you, said, you mentioned regular expressions. Like, regular expressions were invented to experiment with ML. Right? That was the original <laughs> motivation for inventing, right? <laughs> right yeah. And now you're using it in reverse. <laughs> so Actually, the
0: circle is round. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, you know, but one thing I should point out, is, as as um, since Zoran and I are musicians, um, you know, you read about how this is going to create music and create art. That implies that the machine has emotion, mm-hmm. and I don't think that's true. So yes, the, the graphic artist, yes, okay. I wouldn't tell my child to be a voiceover actor at this point, <laughs> um, um, but music—that implies you, music, music is the expression of emotion. Mm-hmm. So if a machine, if you're, if LLM is generating music, that means it has emotion, and it doesn't. Mm-hmm. So but I think what if careful.
2: emotions are patterns? So as you said, everything is a pattern, right? <laughs> and that's
1: the conclusion of this Fuji podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that we next time need a philosopher in, in this podcast. <laughs> okay, uh, maybe we just need to uh, set an appointment in one year and five years and see what has happened because it is evolving very fast, but indeed taking those last steps to, to achieve a perfect result that last 20%, that will be uh, the hard uh, part to take.
1: What if we all look like the Borg at that point? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm already shopping Amazon for a nuclear shelter. <laughs>
0: Thanks a lot for joining this podcast, recording my guests. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Keep an eye on Fuji for future articles and podcasts about development and everything related to the Java world. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much.
3: Thank you. Give me a foo. Give me a J Give me the friends of
2: OpenJDK